The Hammer, Chapter 40 Corvin stood at the window watching the remnants of a prairie sunset fade over the western hills. He was glad the day was over. The harsh sunlight glaring off the stark white walls of the hospital was almost unbearable. Footsteps approached the door and then retreated to answer the jangle of the nursing station phone. He hoped it was a long call. The nurses would not be happy to find him back in Kate's room again. The lights were coming on over the empty parking lot below the window. His parents would be returning at any time with his clothes so he could go home, but he didn't want to leave Kate here all by herself. Her mother would certainly not be coming to see her any time soon. Just a week after Kate had disappeared, she had taken off with the man she had met at the diner. Turning away from the darkening sky, he looked to the clunky metal bed where Kate slept beneath a fuzzy white blanket. She looked somewhat comical, with her hair sticking up in swatches through the bandage that had been wrapped around her head. He studied her for any sign of movement. He had heard whispers of brain damage from the nurses, how Kate might never wake up again. He refused to believe that would happen. The steady drip of Kate's IV had done its work, and her face was no longer drawn and thin. The cut in her cheek had been carefully stitched back together and was healing fast. She wouldn't have much of a scar, nothing like the one that Tirith would have for the rest of her life in the core. Corvin turned back to the window. Up here, with the vast sky overhead, Tirith seemed like a figment of his imagination, and the core as far away as another planet. He gazed out over the trees, to where a few stars struggled to outshine the parking lot lights. He felt a surge of pity for the people of the core. It was like they were locked in a dark prison, paying eternally for some ancient crime. The stars are so beautiful. Corvin whirled around. Kate smiled faintly, then winced as the stitches tightened on her cheek. What happened to me? She tried to sit up, but Corvin crossed over and put a hand on her shoulder. You need to lie still and rest. You fell and hurt your head. Don't you remember? She stared blankly at him. I think so. Did I get hurt bad? You've got a cut on your head and cheek. You'll be okay after you rest up a few days. I guess I shouldn't have been climbing on the castle rocks in the dark. The castle? The last thing I remember was going out to the rock and falling down. I don't even remember what I was doing out there. Her eyes crinkled in a teasing smile. Maybe I was trying to catch your imaginary lizard so Billy wouldn't pick on you anymore. Corvin nodded. You don't need to worry about the lizard. I won't be talking about it anymore. Her eyes drooped. I'm so tired. You should rest. I'll sit with you until my parents come to take me back home, but I'll be back tomorrow, I promise. She nodded, and Corvin sat down in a chair at the side of her bed. Kate's hand reached out from under the covers, exposing what the doctor referred to as that mysterious burn in the center of her palm the small star where the seed had sent its power into her body. Corvin reached out and held her hand in his own. A peaceful smile settled over Kate's face. She gave his hand a weak squeeze as she drifted off. The door opened a crack, and his mother stepped into the room. Her eyebrows rose slightly, and then she gestured for him to follow her out. Corvin eased his hand from under Kate's and joined her out in the hall. How is Kate doing? she asked. She woke up and talked a bit. That's great. I didn't think a bump in the head would slow our Kate down for long, she frowned. Did she ask for her mother? No, she seems a bit confused about what happened. She's not the only one. His mother shot him a questioning glance as she turned down the hall. I've already checked you out. Corvin looked at Kate's door. It didn't feel right to leave her behind now that she was conscious again. 
Will you bring me back first thing tomorrow morning? I don't want her to be alone with her mom gone and all. Her mother nodded, a faint smile on her face. Where's Dad? He had to go back to the Red Creek Mine. Tomorrow they're sealing off the lower chamber that's full of water. He's the only one that knows where to place all the charges to make sure the water does not rise into the mine. He'll be there most of the night. You sure are lucky he found you two. Nobody can figure out how you and Kate ever got past the lock gates and down to the bottom of the mine. It was more of a question than a statement, but Corvin didn't respond. His father had asked him not to say anything to her until they could talk about it in private when he got home. As they walked out the front door of the hospital, Corvin stopped. Inside, the sky had drawn him to the window, but outside it seemed to be pulling him right out of his tennis shoes. He breathed in the sense of autumn, the dying leaves, the crisp air. I'm so glad to be back. The way you're behaving, you'd think you'd been underground in that mine for a year. He glanced at her and she gave him a knowing look. Corvin stepped down the stairs and headed for their truck. As they left the city, the sky above them brightened into a star-encrusted canopy. It seemed the stars had multiplied since he had left. Resting his forehead against the cold glass, he stared up at them in wonder. Under their sparkling light, he felt both small and infinitely important at the same time. He watched as the empty schoolyard slid past his window and was surprised to find himself free of any fear of going back. He was ready to grow up and move on. In fact, he felt like he had already walked through that door and come out the other side. The gravel crunched as they turned into their driveway. A smile crept over his face that would not subside. Stepping from the truck, he turned for the side of the house. I'm going out to the rock for a few minutes. Don't be long. The doctor said you need to get lots of rest for at least a week. As Corvin passed by her, she grabbed him and pulled him close. I'm glad you're home. He hugged her back. Me too. He walked toward the dark mound with a growing sense of loneliness. He missed Sarek. His friend should be here with him to help make sense of all that had happened. Thin moonlight etched the castle rocks in silver. The faint outline of the door beckoned from the center of the stone circle. Corvin stooped to touch the edge. Nothing moved except for a small spider crawling out of the keyhole. Without the hammer, he would never be able to open the door again. He was glad he no longer had the hammer. Tirith would need it to lead the core. It would help her to know when Jorid was telling her the truth. Truth. His parents had drummed the need for honesty into him the past few years. Now he understood how important it was. Everyone suffered when lies and deceit grew unchecked. Leaving the castle rocks behind, he walked out onto the western slope. The crescent moon cast a web of thin shadows through the stubble of their field. Corvin lay back on the rock and breathed in the soft scent of the prairie evening. A falling star arced across the sky and disappeared. Corvin smiled. For the past few years, everyone at school kept going on about the dawn of space travel. Some had great plans of one day becoming an astronaut, wearing a spacesuit and traveling to the moon. Space was the new frontier, where fantastic adventures would happen, new worlds explored and strange creatures discovered. Corvin placed his hands flat against the cool rock beneath them. If only they knew what was going on beneath their very feet. A faint tremor shivered through the tips of his fingers, as if a great stone door had opened somewhere down below. <laughs>